Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Thinking Project. Of course, this is your host, Dalton Jensen. And if you're tuning in for the first time, thank you so much. If you're returning for the number of times that you've watched the podcast, thank you so much. And if you're watching this on YouTube, of course, make sure you hit the subscribe button and the like button. This helps me know what content to bring to you guys. And also, remember, stay tuned. I'm having more sales content, more podcasting content for you to consume here on YouTube in the coming days. But if you're listening to this, thank you so much for tuning in again. So without further ado, Billy Bateman joined me on today's episode of The Thinking Project. He is the founder, co-founder, CEO of Chat Funnels. We had an amazing conversation and I really do believe that you'll enjoy this because that's the whole point of The Thinking Project is to bring you vlogs and interviews with founders and creatives to help jumpstart your career, to help get those creative juices flowing in your brain so that you can start living the life that you've always wanted to live because that looks different for everybody, and it should. So with all that being said, Billy Bateman, and please enjoy the interview. All right, we're rolling. Thank you so much for joining me, Billy. Thanks for being here. I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah, I'm excited to be here, Dalton. This should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So you've been on a quite you've been on a podcast run. It sounds like podcast tour of sorts. Yeah, yeah. We uh, so we had our own podcast for a little over two years that I hosted and had a okay. lot of fun doing that. But we decided to take a pause and say, okay, because like we do it to get more customers. It's like bottom yeah. line, like why we're doing yeah. it. And we had some success, but not enough that I was like, yeah, let's just keep rolling this in, you know. And yeah. we were like, okay, like let's let's take me, let's take some other guys on the team, and like let's get a let's get us on other people's podcasts. So our marketing team has been all in on on trying to pump us up and get us on as many podcasts as we can. And uh, so far, it's been great because like you get in front of other people's audiences that had no idea you exist. Absolutely, yeah. No podcasting. Um, that's the way to do it. I really feel like it's the future. Um, but. You know, I, I like to bring that up whenever I know that somebody's doing a, like a big podcast tour or they're being or they're doing a big, you know, they're they're trying to get their name out there as much as they can. One question that I like, you know, to start with before we kind of dive into what you have going on, right? Because you got a lot like chat yeah. funnels. You know, you've got your history in business. Uh, you know, MBA, but but like to start, like what what do you think is the main point of all the podcasts? Like, what what message are you trying to get out there the, the most? um message well first like dude i'm all in on chat funnels we're we're four years into this this month and uh we are all about helping customers especially b2b customers or or who businesses or who who we serve by helping them grow revenue and and we're kind of agnostic on on how we do it but our real goal is if you sign up to be a chat funnels customer we're going to help you make more money and that's what i like to do is help businesses make more revenue. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And um, it sounds like chat funnels, you know, I was doing a little bit of homework on what that was and, and what you have going on there. Um, it's, it's big in the sales world right now, right? Like yeah. this kind of yeah. AI software that helps like pre-qualify customers. It's kind of scary to a lot of salespeople because you're like, because, uh, you know, it's almost like, are they, can they do a better job than the salespeople? Um, and so it kind of brings up a lot of questions about the wholesale industry. You know, right? one thing I'll say to that is 
yeah, salespeople, you should be, some of them are going to be nervous, but honestly, where, where we found the most success for us and for our customers is it's the combination of the automation and the, and the intelligence and the rules that you set up and then bringing a person in at the right time, like a chat bot. It, I mean, it'll close some deals or qualify some for you really well. Um, but where it works really well is when you can have a chatbot do like an initial qualification and just say, okay, like, are they qualified yeah. enough to talk to somebody and then get somebody in there right away? Like with our sales team, we get, they get alerts all the time, not just even from the, like somebody's chatting in like, Hey, we, we identify which companies are on our customers' websites and if they match their ideal customer profile or their company that's they're already in an open sales opportunity or a target account, our, our reps get alerted on their cell phone to say, Hey, Domo's on the site or Qualtrics or, uh, you know, uh, dirty does on the site, whatever it may be, <laughs> you know? And yeah. they're like, Oh, one of my accounts, I can send them a message right now. Or I've been emailing a couple people over there. I bet you, you know, it's Jenny that I've been working with. I'm going to send her a text message or a LinkedIn message and we're <laughs> top of mind and we get the conversations going. And, uh, it really helps with that, that time to close deals, cutting that down. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about, um, <clears throat> cause I've been in the sales world for, for a little bit and, and the topic of like getting pre-qualified customers through the pipe is always a big thing. So before we get into that, cause I will totally yeah. nerd out about sales. I'll totally nerd out about the culture and everything like that. Um, take us through like your story in how you got to chat bots. I mean, I know you've, you've got a nice resume leading up to this, but what, you know, it start and you mentioned before the, the interview we talked, right. It started out as like a consulting firm, like a service-based firm, right. Yep. Um, and kind of grew into a software firm. So take us like through that whole journey of like how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm originally from, from Idaho and, uh, I, uh, I came down here to BYU and, um, I have an uncle who started, uh, he started inside sales, Dave Elkington. Um, and, uh, wow, he said, Hey, cool. you want to come work for me in marketing? You know? And like, he paid me like minimum wage. <laughs> uh, like right. I had to fight. He just, cause he was like, dude, you're my nephew. So like, nothing's going to be given to you. Uh, you got to earn it around here. Um, <laughs> so I got, I got started by working on their marketing team and this would have been 2009. And, uh, I was managing paid search for them. I would, I would do all kinds of, of marketing tactics for them. And uh, like we did this big response audit thing for Dreamforce, which is Salesforce's big, big conference they do. And I mean, I was just doing all the grunt work for the most part there, but yeah. learned a lot. Uh, Dave and Ken are great marketers. Um, and uh, I didn't even realize like what I was learning while I was working there. And, and uh, then I actually got a degree in, in real estate investment and management and, uh, and went and worked for some commercial real estate brokerages for a few years. And, and I loved that. Um, it, I figured out it wasn't something I wanted to do long-term, but I, I love that industry and there are tons of great people. It's very much still a relationship industry. And I think most industries really are, if you want to be successful, like you got to have relationships with people. Mm -hmm. Um, but went back to school, did an MBA, because I was like, I, I want to do something else. Um, and 
And uh, when I got done with my MBA, Dave called me and he's like, dude, I'm, I'm looking to, to start a few new businesses, um, possibly software. But if we're going to do software, I want to start out with services and figure out, like, what are we actually going to build? And is there a need before we build anything? And can we build anything unique? So we got in and, and started, you know, I learned everything I could about. At the time, we were like, okay, let's get into this chatbot space. That seemed like a great place to get in. And so I spent like two months uh, just in our spare bedroom in our apartment, like learning everything I could about chatbots. My wife is like, are you going to get a job and start making some money? Cause I'm working. <laughs> and I was like, yes, just give me, give me a little bit of time. And, uh, we were able to get some contracts with the uh, businesses and, and started out, you know, and helped them. Hey, we, they went from using chatbots to, to book 10 meetings for their sales team a month to some of them all the way from 10 to a hundred a month. Um, and wow. it was just through learning, okay, how do we optimize these chatbots? How do we engage them? We saw there were some things missing from the, <clears throat> from the existing uh, services out there and eventually built our own. But for two years, like we were pretty much straight consulting and, uh, and built a whole team that, that does consulting and then started building our own software and, and making that transition from like, Hey, we're a consulting company to no, we're now a software company that also does some consulting, uh, a little more challenging than I thought it would be. Yeah. Well, so when you say a little more challenging than you thought it would be, what, what were, what challenges were you anticipating and what ended up being harder than you thought? Yeah. So, so one challenge, I mean, I was anticipating like it would take some time for like people that knew us as a consulting company whether they were like a customer or just somebody who knew of us to realize, Oh, like they have their own tool as well. Like I knew, I knew like, dude, that's going to take time. I knew even internally, like kind of a culture shift <clears throat> would take some time to being like, okay, like we're about selling software and servicing software customers more than, than consulting. And, but one of the things I didn't think was going to be as hard was we thought, Hey, we have this great base of, of customers that we do consulting for and we built this product that should be perfect for them getting them to move from you know solution a or b that we were working with them on to our new solution a lot more challenging than i thought it was and and part of that was like we built our business servicing like mid-sized companies you know with a mm -hmm. few hundred employees and it's easier to sell consulting to that kind of a company than than software because you've got compliance, mm. you've got IT, you've got security. Oh. So we had we had a whole bunch of hoops, you know, like besides making the tool just like work and get results, there's all this other just kind of like, I call it red tape work and I hate <laughs> red tape um, that you have to do to yeah. sell to those customers. So we had to adapt who we were trying to sell to for a little bit because it was like, okay, smaller businesses, there's hardly any red tape. It's like, is it going to make it, is it going to work? Okay. It's going to work. Let's try it. <laughs> you know, um, or we think it's going to work. Let's try it. Um, and so we had to adapt pricing, some of our packaging and say, okay, like let's go down market, um, and get a foothold there. And then we can go back up market while, while we get some of these other things worked out. And, uh, that was, that was definitely a transition. And then even with the team, like I had my consulting team and, uh, it took a while for them to be like, 
oh, like we actually work on our own software and provide the same service as when we were consulting on these other tools. Um, <laughs> it just took them some time to like make this shift that like the way they were going to get ahead within the business was being all in on our own product um, rather mm -hmm. than all in on what we're now kind of our competitors' products. Yeah, that's interesting. So when you were going through this, I mean, so you're you're a business owner now, right? Right, the the founder of Chat Funnels, co-founder of Chat Funnels. So when um, you were going through your career, was owning a business something that was always you ha you always had on your mind? Did it kind of fall into your lap, or like how did that come about for you? Yeah, it was definitely something I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, I actually I served an LDS mission and. Uh, and on my mission, I had my second or third cop. Um, he was going home and like he was done being a missionary. <laughs> and we met this dude who had actually served his mission with my dad that was now inactive in the church. And he gave us um, this book and he's like, this changed my life. And it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, oh. <laughs> and like, I'm still pretty new. So I'm like, oh, I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm not going to read the book. Like, you know, I got these, you know, I got these five books <laughs> I can read besides, besides scriptures. And, yeah. uh, my cop, he read it in like two days. Um, oh, like wow. stayed up all one <laughs> night reading it. And he's like, Bateman, this, this changed my life. You got to read it. And like, I think I lasted about three days after he finished before I was like, okay, I'm just going to read the book. Cause it's always talking about, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I got to do something. Yeah. And after reading the book, I was like, dude, this whole like going to be an attorney thing, that's not going to get me ahead. Um, and, uh, and I didn't even think I'd like it. The more I talked to people that were attorneys, I was like, yeah, I don't yeah, think I'm actually going to like that. One, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to like one. that job very much. Um, as much as I love sure. debate. <laughs> um, sure. But, sure. uh, yeah. So after reading that, I was like, okay, like I got to own assets and businesses are great asset real estate. Like, it kind of influenced me studying real estate investment and management um, just because it was like, dude, that's a great way to, to build wealth. And uh, and then when I did my MBA, I actually went through, in addition to the normal MBA program at BSU, they have a, uh, mm -hmm. it's a startup incubator at the time. They called it the Venture College and uh, pitched a business, got accepted, started a business while I was in there. Uh, was out of business, like almost as quick as I was in business, but learned a ton <laughs> by doing that. Like, like I, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and I learned a ton doing that. And that's that after I got done with school, I was like, I wanted to start another business, but I just got married. I'm like, okay, my <laughs> wife's been working the last couple months while I'm, I'm in school. I need to get a job and support. And then when Dave called me, you know, like he didn't make any guarantees on how, you know, are we going to make money or not? But, uh, we both thought, Hey, it'd be stupid to turn down an opportunity to, to work with Dave on a business. Oh yes. I mean, and it, <clears throat> from what I know about inside sales.com, I mean, they're crushing it. Yeah. It they did very well for a long time. Yeah. 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 That that's, that's awesome. Well, that's really cool. I think, what really resonates with me about, about that story is, um, you know, at least when I hear it, it's, it's about you just like waiting for the right opportunity yeah, and, and like taking the right time. Right. So I, so I like this, right. Because inevitably when you talk about like entrepreneurship and like starting a business, people will come into the, the business world of like, 
all of the stories you hear of like college dropouts working under their, you know, working in their dorm for a hundred hours and like, you yeah. know, and then making it. And it's like, it's like, that's not the only way, right? Like you can go through your career and then figure out like, Hey, there's an actual need and then kind of go from there. Yeah. And like, I, I would tell anyone, like, if you want to start a business, like just go start something. Like I wish I'd done yeah. it sooner. You know, I wish I yeah. I'd just like after my undergrad, not married, you know, not that I had any money, but it was like, dude, <laughs> if it doesn't time, work, right? if it doesn't work, like I can live in my truck, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's low risk. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah you like, don't have all of the overhead. <laughs> like when I went back to do my MBA, uh, my, my wife, who was, we were dating at the time, thought I was crazy because I lived in my forerunner for the first month until I found a place that <laughs> I thought like I wanted to live that was cheap and like yeah. I thought I'd get an apartment, but I didn't have a job when I was moving back to Idaho <laughs> and nobody would rent to me because I didn't, even though I could pay it all up front, they're like, no, you don't have a job. We're not going to really? rent you. The, Isn't that it was crazy? crazy. It was Isn't crazy. That wild. And then they wouldn't like my parents were like, yeah, we'll co-sign, you know, like we know you're good for the money. Like it's there in yeah. your bank account. And then they're like, oh, they're out of state. Uh, not going to let, they can't co-sign. I was like, wild. this is the That's real estate, crazy. I love real estate, but man, yeah. there, it has a long way to go. It is such an old school industry in so many ways. Really though, it really is like, I know, you know, and there's a few companies that are kind of like disrupting that, but man, real estate's wild. And just like, well, and, and to be honest with you, not even just the real estate, but like the whole loan industry by itself yeah. is really just kind of archaic i mean i yeah. was talking to i was talking to some some bankers and like vendors and uh i sent them a zoom link they were like let's have a meeting i'm like all right here's a zoom link they're like nah we can't use zoom i'm yeah. like what are we doing they're like microsoft teams i'm like dude i didn't even know teams existed like what the heck are you guys doing <laughs> they couldn't uh, you know. well that's interesting they would do teams but not zoom that's it's that's weird. it's very strange and it's just one of these things it's just these archaic you know kind of rules yeah you know maybe i'll talk to somebody one day but you know before we got into your story which is amazing by the way we were talking about kind of the the idea behind chat funnels and how it's disrupting the sales industry right because this is a big thing that like as a sales trainer like i train businesses and can and and teams and individuals on selling the biggest thing that i tell them like if, if i'm talking to an entrepreneur who's trying to get sales i'm like you need to automate as much as you can, the qualifying process. Yep. That's a big deal because like, you don't want people coming through the pipe who just aren't for better, you know, and, and it's not anybody's fault other than like, you just get people who come through the pipe who are just not qualified most of the time. You know, I, I would push back just a little bit on that because like, you've got to qualify as much as possible, but they're 10, like, have you ever met an AE who was like, man, I got too much pipeline. Uh, I, I have too many, I have too many meetings and you've got to take this away uh, yeah. from me. Like, like, no. Right. And, and then they're, but then they're always like, when they're not hitting numbers, they're like, well, you know, the lead, these leads the are leads shit, suck. you know, like that's, that's what they'll say. Like they may right. not say that word, but like, that's what they'll say. Yeah, um, that's what they'll say for sure. But I would push back. Like as a business leader, you gotta, there's a fine line, like if everyone is really, really qualified, the salespeople are more like order takers. And at that point, it's like, yeah, dude, I could just fair. like, I could get somebody else that isn't as qualified to do this <laughs> job. Like, so like sometimes yeah. you, I, I, there's a, there's a line there is, is what yeah. I, I'm getting at. It's like, yeah, you sh if everyone's qualified, that's getting through, 
<laughs> you're probably overqualified. Um, yeah, is what I think, and you're missing out on some. That's a good point. Even though, even though you're going to have meetings for sales guys where they're like, "Why the hell did I talk to that dude?" <laughs> um, then, yeah. But but dude, no, for they're going to get opportunities point. they wouldn't have had before. That's a great point. I, you know what? Now that you say that, there was a, when I started in the car business, um, they had a saying really similar about just like you know if you don't have so many like. Actually, that's where I kind of learned how to train. And one of the lessons that they taught us was like, um, if your closing percentage is too high, you're either lying or you're you're not talking to enough people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. Like, so I agree with you there. That's a great point that, that, that you brought up. Yeah. Yeah. I I cut you off. I'll let you, I'll let you keep going. (laughs) Well, well you, you know, when you talk about chat bots though, I think that's a great way to kind of help automate the process and and if and the ai is getting scary good now man yeah the yeah AI, so the ai chatbots are scary good you know they're good and they they're also not and like <laughs> we do some ai but a lot of what we found actually works best is you know like it's really cool to say oh we have this ai chatbot that will do like everything but mm-hmm. what you'll find is like most people who buy that unless you have like a whole team of like like junior engineers, essentially like training that bot, mm-hmm. it kind of just does okay at everything. It doesn't okay. do great at anything. So we let our customers build essentially like logic trees that the bots will execute. Mm. And, and we found that that that's a lot more effective for people because like somebody comes to your website, you know what you want them to do. Like you have a process that you're like, okay, somebody comes to our site, they're going to get information if they're interested maybe they're going to sign up for a free trial maybe they're going to fill out a contact us form maybe they're going to fill out a form to request a demo um you can take a bot and like qual and take okay so if we had the demo request well what questions are we going to ask we can put that into a chat bot really easily and we found that people actually will answer more questions fill out more fields of information through a bot than if you just put the static form up there and then you can also do some routing, bring somebody in to talk to them right away. And if they're available, like just start chatting with them. Um, and then even connect your calendar and let them book a meeting um, right there if they're qualified as well. If they're not qualified, you figure out a nice way to tell them, okay, like we'll get back to you or you should go check this. You should go check this contact out and yeah. and go talk to us. Come talk to us when you're a little bigger or you're using a yeah, different yeah, tool yeah. or whatever it is, you know? Um, so there's a lot that can be done and automated there. Now we've, we've even taken it another step further past the bots. Like when you come in as a customer for us, there's, there's quality, like our customers are B2B businesses. So Mm -hmm. beyond the person, they're also qualifying the business. Like, is it a fit for us? So what we do is, is we tie into your CRM and we look at all of your, your current customers and we create a profile of those based on their industry, mm-hmm. employee size, location, tool, technologies they use. And then we give you that and say, okay, it looks like this is the profile for your ideal customer based on who your current customers are. Mm-hmm. And whenever companies come to the site that match, and we do a reverse IP lookup uh, to identify which companies are coming to your website. Whenever those companies come to the site, we can give them a totally unique experience with the chatbots. And essentially, like you already know the business 
is a fit. So like, let's take down some of the barriers and make it easier for them to talk to you than to talk mm. to your competitors. And we can yeah. also alert your sales team so that if they see like, okay, you know, somebody from this, this company that fits our profile, Acme painting, um, they looked at our pricing page. Well, we'll send a text message, let them know, Hey, this is an ICP company came to the site. Um, if we already have an account owner designated for that person, it'll go to that rep. And mm -hmm. then if they don't do anything at all, like they just come and they peruse, but they show intent, we'll go get contacts for the buying committee and automatically enroll them into email campaigns or a sales cadence campaign. Yeah. That, and, and that, automation is just like invaluable, especially for a business owner. And especially for like, I mean, I don't know if like solo entrepreneurs would use this, but that, that would be just like invaluable because you can keep the, you know, keep the pipe flowing and keep people engaged because that's, I mean, ultimately like that's how you, you know, you lose interest with people is like, they're not staying yep. engaged. And so, uh, and that's really cool. So I don't know, I, I might've skipped over this question. And if I did, that's my bad, but if, but when you were looking at oh, starting chatbot, um, why, why chatbot? Like what made you think like, this is it versus any other kind of consulting? Yeah. Yeah. So at the time there were a couple of companies, Drift and Intercom that were really hot. And a lot of people were buying Drift, the tools. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people were buying it and, uh, and getting mixed results. And so there was an opportunity as a, to say like, okay, obviously people are interested in buying this type of technology. Um, we also looked at how much money has been placed by the venture capitalist in this space. And there was a lot of money. And, and usually the VCs, like they don't get every company right, you know, that they bet on. But if you mm -hmm. see like a hundred million dollars over the course of a few years go into a space like conversational marketing, like it's gonna be a thing. Um, mm -hmm. And so we looked at that and we saw an opportunity to get in and do some consulting because of the mixed results people were getting. And 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 yeah. so there was an opportunity to get help because it's not like a, it's not like this Riverside, like we're using Riverside <laughs> here, pretty easy to get set up and get going. Like yeah. chatbots, like you gotta know what you're doing um, to a certain degree. Otherwise like you can install it and like turn it on, but <laughs> it's not really gonna work for you. It's like garbage in, garbage out kind of thing. Yep, yep. So yeah, that's what I yeah, that's what I've noticed too. But go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, and, and like we try to make it easy with our product for people to get up and get going, but like it still takes some some optimization, some time. Yeah, uh, and the learning curve though for one of these, I mean, that would be the difference, right? Is with you guys, is the the learning curve probably gets a little gets shortened a little bit so that people can can get involved a little quicker, right? Yeah, yeah, and like. You know, we started as a consulting company and uh, it's still in our blood that like we get in there with our customers and like get into the details with them and say, here's how you're going to be successful, like for your business. Mm -hmm. Like we know the best practices that typically work, but then refining it to like, okay, this matches this company and what they're trying to do. That's where you really see things start to exponentially uh, become effective. Yeah, I like that. And uh, so... Do you think your move from transforming? Because I like this idea that you trans you started as like a service and consulting, and then you moved to software. What kind of gave you? I mean, where where was the inspiration for that move? And yeah. because I think it's a smart move. I think that like when you said that, I was like, dang, that's actually not nice because s s consulting based, service based businesses are usually cheaper to start, 
you know, there's not a lot yep. of overhead because it's just you going to the company and using your knowledge, right? Um, but then kind of like solidifying the game plan there and then moving over to software. Um, I mean, what was the idea? Where did the idea come from? And then how did that? I mean, obviously it worked well, but like, yeah, tell us the process. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've got to get D- give Dave credit for this. Like, uh, this is <laughs> this is his play, so I'm not I'm not going to take credit. <laughs> but like, he's he's taught me the play and how to run it at this point. So, um, yeah, you like you said, service business. Like, dude, like I just got started with just me is how we started out. Like. Uh-huh. The only thing we were putting in was like my time and, and like my internet connection to my laptop, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. you can get started with the services business really easy, really cheaply. We got to learn the space and become experts. Um, and like if anyone's ever read, I'm sure a lot of people have read the lean startup, but one of the things they talk about in that book is you got to do a hundred customer interviews before you like go and create any product or service. Well, one thing with consulting and, and that type of service business is every time you get a customer, that is like an in-depth customer interview that can go on for years um, where you're seeing, yeah. okay, how, how are they using the tool? What are they happy with? What are they not happy? And it's not like, it's better than talking to somebody because like, you can see what's going on like every day you're you're in the trenches with them working on it um yeah but that also allows us once we transition to uh to software to like fund paying for developers out of a business that was already making money yeah that well and and uh the 100 customer interviews when you when you mentioned that so one of the things that i like write down in my journal that i have a notebook about that Maybe one day I'll start like a newsletter on or something, but like is the questions, right? So you do a hundred customer interviews. I think that's great. But like, if you're not asking the right questions, it's like the chat bot, right? You're getting garbage in, garbage out. So what do you ask customers when you're doing these interviews to get really good data on how to move forward? Yeah, I think it, I mean, that depends. That's a great question. And it depends on like what you're trying to do. Um, So I'm going to go to another business. I, I t- mentioned I started a business while I was doing my MBA. And yeah. with that, the background was I, I grew up as doing whitewater rafting and kayaking um, yeah. as a kid. And uh, even in college, did some of that. And uh, so I started this business. I called it River Nerd. And we were helping people <laughs> apply for permits on the Middle Fork and the main salmon rivers up in Idaho. And like your chances are like, a fraction of a percentage to get these most of the time. Like I've been putting in since I was 16 or 17 and I've never drawn one, but. Oh, wait. So are you talking about, you got to draw for a permit to go like down these rivers and yep. like, raft them? Yep. Yep. Whoa. Yeah. So like, Holy cow. you know, a lot of places you can just pull up and you're like, dude, let's go on a float trip, you know? Yeah. 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 Like Not- uh, I grew up in Iowa or Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, not here. It's you're going through wilderness areas. Like it's there's not a lot of camping. Like if they let everyone who mm. wanted to go through this, the thing would be packed. Um, yeah. So so <laughs> they limit fair. the number right. of people that come down, and so drawing one of these permits is tough. And so initially, I put together a guide that would show people the statistics based on historical applications, um, what their best chances were to draw, and we did. We did a little bit of regression to to forecast, okay, like let's take the things like day of the week and date and then 
projected out for this next year. And it was, it was interesting. Like <laughs> you still cool. got up to like a half percent, I think was your best chance, you know, on, on like <laughs> these two or three days, like you have, you have half a percent chance, which is better That's than awesome. like the point one or 0.08 you're going to get on other days. And, sure. um, and nobody really wanted to pay for that. So I started talking to the people though, who were reading the blog and, and interacting with the content. And I started, you know, I was like, Hey, can I talk to you? You know? And like, I'd get on the phone with them and I asked him, I was like, you know, would you pay for this? And they're like, no, I wouldn't pay for it. I was like, well, what would you pay for? And they said, you know, I would pay if you could notify me when the cancellations are, because when people, you draw a permit, if you no show, they won't let you apply for, I think it's five years. So, mm -hmm. so like, if you know, you can't go you call the people call the forest service. They're like, yep, can't use my permit. They would just post it online, like random times and just say, Hey, there's a cancellation for July 26th. And the first person to grab that oh. and, and claim it, got it. So I took that. I had two people tell me that. And like, I didn't wait around for the hundred at that point. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I, I think I know what people will pay for. Yeah. Um, and then I asked a couple more people and I was like, would you pay for this? And like, yep, I would pay for that. Uh, I think that's one of the most important questions to ask is, okay, you say you have this problem. I have a solution mm -hmm. for you, whatever it may be. Would you pay real American money for this? And, uh, <laughs> and if the answer is, is, nah, if it's not like a resounding yes, cause people will be nice to you for the most part. Like, yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, if it's like, oh, I might pay for that. Dude, that's not good enough. <laughs> Uh, it's got to be like, <laughs> yes, I will pay money for that. Um, and then the next question is, how much would you pay? And uh, yeah. if the if it doesn't make sense at that point, like every other question doesn't even matter, you know. And yeah. one one question I love to ask our customers when you know, like I try to get on one or two customer calls a week, and and with customers that have been on board for a little while and used used our tools, one thing I ask them is, okay, if I gave you a magic wand. And you could make the product do one thing. What would that one thing do or fix one problem, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, the answers you get out of that, like, sometimes they're crazy. It's like, wow. Yeah. Like <laughs> that would be some magic to do that. Um, I, you're like, I would need the, an actual magic wand. <laughs> yeah. I would need a magic wand to make that happen. But sometimes <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that's, that's easy. And then it's like, yeah. oh, dude, that's real value. And like, you're not necessarily going to upcharge them, but it's like, oh, we can build out a whole new enhancement or feature set that can be an add-on or just going forward for yeah. newer customers. Like, that's an easier way to make money. So, interesting. So, how do you do this at scale? Because I'm sure there's somebody listening um, who might be in a position where, like, you know, like if you're at the beginning or if you're at, like in our position, like, yeah, I do the same thing like with my podcast. Like, I treat my podcast as my business. So, yeah. I'll ask people, like, I don't know. I mean. <clears throat> Like just the other day, it was like I used to release two episodes a week, um, and then I got just a bunch of cus bunch of listener feedback, and it was like uh, you only need to release one. And so I was like, yeah. "All right, well, shoot, you're out there asking me to do less work, essentially, right?" So it's like, okay, I can do that. Um, but if you're but if you're looking at like a scale, uh, you know, you're trying to do this in mass. Uh, what does the process look like from there? Like. Can you do that or can you use chat I mean, you, to do that? <laughs> yeah, like you can, like you can do the NPS scores. You can use a bot to ask them questions and like, I, and it, it works to a certain degree, but, um, like you, but there's nothing like that personal touch. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, 
it, it helps you kind of, it's more of a barometer. I think it's the way to, way to really look at it. Like, okay, if the answers coming in through the MPS are generally good and they're, you know, within this, you know, kind of the range we usually get or trending up. Okay. Like things are going well, but the MPS scores, like all of a sudden start tanking. Like the funny thing is most people aren't going to tell you, like they'll give you a bad score and then you'll, you'll reach it. They won't leave any feedback. You'll reach out and you're like, Hey, let us help you. Like, we want to know why, why'd you leave us a, a five or a four or a one, you know, out of 10. And, yeah. um, and they won't respond half the time, you know? Yeah. I so, don't respond to those. Yeah. Yeah. Like nobody, <laughs> heck, not half the time, words, like <laughs> almost all the time, they will not respond. Um, they will respond. Sometimes you'll get that answer if they leave you a review somewhere and you're like, Oh, okay. Now I know the answer. We could have fixed that for you. I wish you would have talked to us. Um, or we already <laughs> did fix that. Maybe you just didn't know how to do it, you know? Um, yeah, but, uh, but there is nothing that can replace like getting on calls with your customers or going to meet them and have lunch with them. And like, you don't have to do that with every customer, but, mm -hmm. uh, I really think like try to get on a call at least once a week with a customer, um, get on your sales calls at least once a week if you're a business leader and like, yeah. like whenever I've been kind of like, man, the business is not like going as well as I want it to. It's cause I'm not doing those things as consistently as I, I should be, you know, like stay mm -hmm. close to your customers and your prospects and it'll, it'll help you figure out what you got to do next to keep, keep growing. Right. Yeah. Because in business, like it's, and in sales, the same thing, right? Like in sales and in business, like we're just past this whole point of like customers not knowing things, right? Like generally speaking, we have well-educated consumers now who yep. are just looking for, you know, specific, maybe, um, you know, like specific questions that are, that need to be answered because generally speaking, we have like very educated customers. And so yeah. that makes for like a very competitive field where you got to like, get to know, like you have to serve the one. Right. And you got to like stay focused on like that whole process, which I think is like, you know, the, the reason that we're here. Right. And like, that's how sh sales has shifted too. like, we can't just like, no more, like, you know, Ba get barely giving enough information to get them to sign or anything like that. We got to go through like a whole process. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's part of why we built our solution is like buyers have way more information than you have yeah. on you than you have on them. And like, <laughs> that's, that's and it didn't so used to like 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. That wasn't the case. Like the sales guy held like, oh, not all the cards, <laughs> but a, a lot more of the cards. Yeah. And the buyer was like, please give me the information I need so I can make a decision now. Like, dude, they can find everything they want. Like, and if yeah. even if the current customer and they're like, man, I don't feel like this is cutting it for you. They can go look at your competitor's <laughs> website and, and then their competitor will tell you, oh yeah, we can, we can do that happen. We can make that happen <laughs> for you, you know? And yeah. next thing you know, like you're, you're out of customer. So yeah, you got to sure. stay close to them and, and listen to what they're saying and, and communicate with them. Perfect. And I think that's a, that's a great segue into something that we were talking about before the podcast that always gets me fired up to talk about. And that is company culture. Something that's a, like culture is just a buzzword now. Like yeah. you go through LinkedIn. I don't think like if you scroll through LinkedIn, I'll bet you a million dollars. You run across three words in the first three minutes, value, culture and maybe like 
um, uh, what's another buzzword? But like at least those two, right? Like yeah. value and, and culture. And they just sometimes they bug me because they get thrown around so much that we lose the meaning, right? But you know, and it sounds like we had a similar we had a similar, you know, feeling towards that, but but yours has since changed. I'd love to hear your thoughts on like creating culture. Yeah, I used to be Mr. Like I was kind of like anti the here are our company values and <laughs> and like who yeah. we who we are, like that kind of stuff, because at jobs where I was just an employee, we had that stuff, and I kind of just felt like it was BS. Um, it, yeah. Especially, like, one job I had, like, we had all this stuff, and then I would see, like, what the, <laughs> the owners were doing, and I was like, yeah, you don't do yeah. that at all. <laughs> um, right, yeah, it's like, this is definitely bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, this is total bullshit right here. But um, I – and so, like, we we didn't do anything like that for a long time. It wasn't until last yeah. year – that, that we really put something in place. And I noticed um, it was because, hey, oh, I forgot to turn my ringer off. I'm sorry. Ooh, hey, you're good, man. Don't worry about it. All right. All right. We can edit that out. <laughs> um, yeah, for but, of course. Uh, about a year ago, I, I noticed, like, man, we were, we were having some culture problems. Like, we had one team with its own culture, and they thought certain things were important. And then we had another team. Yeah. And they thought we should be doing another, th you know, like, and like, I kind of didn't even like coming into work for a little while. Cause I was like, dude, this is not the business like Dave and I built. Um, and so we sat down with our, with our leadership team and we put together, um, got the mission statement up on the wall. So everyone could see that we'd had that for a long time. We even put in a belief statement of like, here's, you know, what we believe the future of this industry is going to be. And then we have four four pillars, um, and uh, and we talk about them every week. Like in our company lunch and slash meeting, we uh, we go through the mission statement, our belief statement, our pillars. We take one of the pillars, we talk about it, and it really has changed things. Um, and uh, and I love it because so, it's like okay, like, yeah. these are the kind of people we want. And, like we even tell people when they come in the interview now, it's like okay, here here's our pillars. And what we believe, mm -hmm. and here's what those actually mean to us. Um, <laughs> yeah. And because, like, you could take a, you know a mm -hmm. word and you're like, oh, scrappy. Okay, like I'm scrappy. Uh, maybe you are. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you're scrappy. The chat funnels way. Maybe you're not. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, and we just tell them like, hey, if if you're not down with this, that's cool. Just don't take the job. But like, just so you know, like this is how we operate around here. And uh, yeah. And I think it's been big for us. And and even like people get, you know, you hire people and sometimes you realize like, man, they just don't fit the culture and, and you can figure out a nice way to move on for both, both you and, and them. But like, you got to have the right people on your team, especially when you're like under 50 employees, like any, any one, like one bad apple will ruin a basket real quick. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and so, but that is, that is interesting when you talk about that is a way of culture. And I think that's kind of what we move towards. And I think that generally speaking, that's what people mean, right? Is like, what are the values that you drive your company? Yep. Um, you know, Cindy Tetro, the owner, owner of Brandless was on my podcast. She talked about, you know, like, what do you celebrate and what do you tolerate yep. um, as, as company drivers? And I thought that was amazing. And so one of, one of the things that I've been trying to do lately with this podcast and is like just kind of break some of these things down because like the podcast is called The Thinking Project. And, and that's what I wanted people to do is like open your mind. Like when you see this word of culture, like, 
are you just thinking about it as like what what you see on LinkedIn when somebody posts ping pong tables? Yeah, and it's that like culture. You know what no. I mean? Or, or are you like taking it and like really considering like what it means, right? Because culture outside of Silicon Slopes is a is very deep. Like it's like there are there like you know when you look at like I'm Polynesian and so like culture for us is like a big and, and I mean it's big for everybody, right? I'm not just yeah. saying one thing, but. But like it's deep, and so like that's why it always bugged me because like can't throw around that culture word <laughs> in vain, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and it's the same. Like I hate it when people are like, "We're all a family at work," and like, it's like <laughs> kind of, but not really. Like it's no, like we're more of a team. Yeah, like you, yeah, like it's a team. Um, but I agree with you. Like culture's not yeah. ping pong tables or catered lunch every yeah. day. Like that's yeah. those are just things, you know. Um, culture yeah. is like the values. Like, how do you expect people to act when they're at work? Like, you sh you can't like like early on. Like, I could just kind of force the culture because I was working with everybody every day. You know, like whether yeah. it was ten minutes or two hours I spent with them. You know, like they they spent a lot of time with me with Dave. They knew like okay, like Billy's not going to be down with this. You know, um, or he is. Yeah. And uh, but right. as you grow, like you can't do that as a founder. So you've got to write it down. You've <laughs> got to like, and the way we do it is, so we've got four um, cultural values. We're innovators, we're iterators, um, we're lifelong learners, and we're scrappy. Um, yeah. And then in our office, we have our breakout rooms and they've got names that go with that as well. Like with, and then we have a story that goes with each one. So like with the learners, um, I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. And if you haven't read his, yeah. his autobiography, Total Recall, I recommend it to anybody. Um, Ooh, wow. That sounds like a good one. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the things that, uh, like Arnold teaches in the book is like, Hey, to get good at anything, like to get good at being a bodybuilder, I had to do my reps and my sets and eat my protein. Um, to get yeah. good as an actor, I had to like, I had still had reps and sets and protein. It was just different, you know? Mm -hmm. To get good yeah. at politics, same thing. To get a bit at business, yeah. same thing. And so we call it getting your protein. Um, and so <laughs> are you going out? Are you learning something new um, that can help you? And it doesn't have to necessarily be with, like, your job today, but in your career. Like, are you doing something to help progress your career? Some of it's going to apply today to help you, you know, shine at your current position. Some of it's going to help to prepare you for the next thing. Um, but that's one of the things we talk about. It's like, Hey, did you get your protein? Um, and we'll go through like at least once a month and just talk about it at lunch. You're like, okay, what protein are you working on? Yeah, I like that. That that's really awesome. Well, um, well, Billy, I really appreciate your time. You've been more than generous with it. Um, and I appreciate your insight before I let you go. How can people get a hold of you? How can people find you? Yeah. Uh, all that good stuff. How, they, how can they get involved with chat funnels? Yeah. So if you want to learn more about chat funnels, um, you can, you can just go to our website, chatfunnels.com um, to get a hold of me. would love to talk about anything we talked about today. If you want to follow <laughs> up, let me know if you would just want to even learn more about chat funnels, like reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's the easiest way. Just Billy Bateman chat funnels. I'll come right up. Um, and, uh, just reach out to me there and that's the easiest way. 